0: There is nothing that I am going to say tonight, first of all, that is meant to bring a spirit of condemnation uh, upon anybody. Uh, Everybody struggles in different areas, but I also believe that when you know better, you ought to do better. Amen? Uh, We can only revel in ignorance for so long. Uh, In fact, ignorance is the devil's playground. He loves to revel in our ignorance. In fact, the scripture says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Some people say, what I don't know can't hurt me. That is farthest from the truth that you absolutely could ever understand. What we we don't know is harming us more than we would ever realize. And so tonight, I'm asking you not to let offense get in your heart about anything I'm going to say over the next few weeks. Because like I said, not meant to bring condemnation. Let the Word of God speak to you, okay? Hear the words of the Bible writers as they write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because here's what I know. As I preached on Sunday, conviction always calls us to go up to a higher place, right? God's not about condemnation. That's beating you down, kicking you down. That's the enemy. That's the voice of the enemy. But conviction always calls you up to a higher place, to a higher standard. And so I want to look at this tonight. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, let's get into it. And we're going to look at verse 25 through verse 31. And then we are going to look at some other passages tonight. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 25, Paul's writing. He says, therefore, put away lying Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to to the devil. Some of you probably need to underline that. Nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something give to him who has need. Then look at verse 29. Here's where I'm going to hone in tonight. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it might impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Give us an ear to hear. Everything that you want to say to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight in this Hot Topics series, I want to start out with a message that I've entitled, Watch Your Mouth. Come on, somebody. Say it with me. Watch Your Mouth. I want to tell you, first of all, that there was a season in my life when I was not following Jesus. There was a season in my life where I was not following Jesus. And I want you to know that I'm not ashamed of my past because my past is my testimony. Uh, But I, I could cuss what they call in the country a blue streak. I could say words that would make a sailor blush. I mean just flat blush. There's not a word probably out there. That I haven't said and so I'm not proud of that but it's just the fact of the matter that where I was growing up uh, we lived in a little one horse town the horse only had one leg come on the uh, stoplight it just blinked that's all it did and uh, we didn't even have a dollar general now you know you live in the country when you don't even have a dollar general. Uh, In fact, we didn't even have a sit-down restaurant. So uh, in the little town that I lived in, in southwest Arkansas, there was only about two things for kids to do to get in trouble. And that was uh, to smoke weed and cuss. Amen. Now, one of those, um, well, I say one of those was illegal at those times, but now, you know, whatever. So uh, different things. That's another story for another day. So anyway, getting in with the different crowds at school and, and uh, you know, we thought it would be cool that, you know, you'd get over in the corner and you'd say this word and it almost like a big smile of mischievousness would get on your face, you know, because everybody would giggle because you said a bad word. And, um, you know, you think it's funny and cute when you're a kid until you begin to develop some bad habits in life. And so I want you to know that Ephesians, along with Colossians and some of these other passages tonight, were not written to the lost. These passages were written in Paul's epistle to the church. Paul is writing correctively, to the churches that he's planted, that he's apostled, that he's founded. And he's writing just plain old doctrinal talk, uh, writing the truth of God's word to them. And specifically in this passage in the book of Ephesians, he's dealing with um, just the way that they speak to one another. And so tonight I'm going to deal with uh, profanity and, and filthy talk, coarse jest, but there's some other things tonight that I want to deal with in this passage. So don't don't feel like you're off the hook tonight because you don't say them words, all right? So we're going to look and see what all God says about our words because your words are extremely powerful. We were made in the image of God. God created the world with his words. Words have power. Words carry weight. I would never insult somebody with a disability, so please don't get offended at what I'm about to say. But that person who uh, coined the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hear me, must have been deaf. Because all of us that have ears in this room tonight know that words have the power to hinder people uh, when you speak negatively or harshly towards them. And just the opposite, our words have the ability to give life. Uh, our words can shift atmospheres uh, legitimately. That, that, that's not meant to sound super spooky, but you know, if you come into a room complaining, uh, that atmosphere will change. If you come into a room happy and joyful... That atmosphere of that room will change. And so the power of our words is very important for us to look at scripturally. In fact, Solomon, not my text tonight, but says it over and over again. But I love one particular verse that he says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. And so our lives and circumstances and situations, a lot of times, are the products of the things that we say. So tonight, we're going to look at this, and I hope that it'll settle some issues in your heart. Once again, not saying that if you say a bad word, you're not saved or anything like that, not saying that at all, but tonight, I hope you'll look at the subject a little bit differently by the time we get done with our message tonight. Here's the truth. Ready? You ready for the truth? The truth is, is that Christians are supposed to be different from the world, they're supposed to look different, our actions are supposed to be different, our morals and values are different, and certainly our words should be different as well. Now, here's a problem with the world that we live in. So, certainly, the Bible teaches us that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. You know what I'm saying? We're here, and we're here to stay until Jesus calls us home. And so we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And what I have noticed um, just in my short years of life is that used to, there were certain things you just couldn't say on primetime television. There were certain words that you just couldn't utter. And, and it just was taboo. I mean, those words were saved for the more racier, late-night, you-had-to-pay-for-those-channel type of words, <laughs> like you think about HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, some of those uh, old um, cable TV satellite uh, channels that would have that kind of language, strong, strong language on them. You wouldn't think about hearing that on primetime television. But just like everything else, in the world begins to soften and begins to lessen. And I remember in the early 2000s that we began to, to hear, and the rating scales begin to slide a little bit, and we begin to hear a bit more strong language on television. Now, I remember it's probably five, six years ago for the first time, and I almost fell over in the floor because I didn't believe it. On NBC, I heard them take the name of the Lord in vain. In a, in a, in a in a cop show. I think it might have been Law and Order or something like that. And uh, it, just, it just floored me because if you used to, you would have never, ever saw that on television. Now, as I mentioned, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And I believe that sometimes, even though we're not able to escape the world. Paul writes to the church of Corinth and he, he's talking about dealing with the sinning brother. He says, I'm not telling you to, to, to get out of the world because you wouldn't be able to escape sin. Sin is everywhere that you look. It's outside the, 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 the doors of the church. It's in the church. It's in the schools. It's in the movie theaters. Sin is everywhere. As long as you see people and there are people on the planet, there is going to be sin. You can't escape it. What's the pastor trying to say? You can't help it if a person on your job is using bad language. You can't help it if, if you know you're out in public and you hear somebody spout out vulgarities. But the problem is, is that so many people today, for the sake of entertainment, have chosen to squelch the conviction of the Holy Spirit. See, some of us in this room, and I say some of us because I have been guilty at times before. I'm not saying that I've never listened to something that I shouldn't have. The Holy Spirit still convicts me, and I'm still doing my very best to follow through with those things. But sometimes we've just become, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dull of hearing when it comes to sitting in front of television or watching a movie and not even recognizing, because we have heard it for so long, these words that have come up, and, and then all of a sudden, and, and uh, you, you find yourself in a situation, and then all of a sudden, one of them words comes out. And the saying rings true, what goes in must come out. Because that type of strong language has to be put in our hearts. And when we entertain ourselves with certain things, then what happens is, is that we begin to pick up those mannerisms. We begin to pick up those words. And all of a sudden, uh, we can begin to think upon or say those words, and they are inappropriate. The Bible says a lot about what we say. Now, I wish that I was able to print you out a list of no-no words. Come on, somebody. I'm talking like a kindergarten teacher. I wish I could print you out a list of no-no words. These are words you shouldn't say. Um, But the truth is that the Bible doesn't list a list of no-no words. Um, In fact, it's not even the words in and of themselves that are bad. It's what they mean and what you mean in your heart when you say them. And so because of that, these words that society considers profanity or curse words um, are actually, can be different in different cultures. Miranda and I were talking about this in the office this week. In, in Europe, for instance, if if. You cut your arm, and you had a a white shirt, right? Maybe a white sweater or something, and you were to, to walk out, and I would notice your cut. I would say, your shirt is bloody. Well, in England, you have just cursed. So curse words are different in culture. And so culture... Culture, which by the way is not necessarily religious culture, secular culture, defines the value of these words. And some words have taken on meanings through the, through the years that have become derogatory. Let's skip over just curse words, but even some words that can be racial, Without outright saying the racial slur, there's maybe a byword that is developed into a racial word and that you are using that knowing what it means, then it becomes unwholesome, unproductive talk. Right? So, also, there are some words that are profane words that are mainly these are words that denounce or denote rather some type of sexuality or some type of sexual action or some type of sexual body part. These words are words that in their conception were meant to be vulgar. And so, we have all of these things that are in our modern day vocabulary that really just are not becoming of a Christian. And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment, but I want you to hang out with me for a second. But like I said, before you nudge somebody and say, he's not talking to me, let me just tell you, you can curse somebody without using a cuss word. Okay? I, was, I made this comment today. To look at somebody in an act of rage and say, I hate you and I hope you die. I mean, that's a horrible thing to tell somebody. If you look at somebody and say, I hate you and I hope you die, that's worse than hitting your, your, your hand with a hammer and saying, oh, whatever you say. See, sometimes we think we're justified because we didn't say that word. But when we speak with, to somebody with ill intent in our hearts, we are cursing somebody. And so tonight, I want you to get that in your head that it's not exactly about the words per se but about the motivation of our heart. But I do want to get into Scripture tonight and look at some cultural things because if all of these things are so widely acceptable, then we have to ask ourselves why we should refrain from these things. Now, let me just give you a couple of things. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is concerning language in our culture. Number one, the world still recognizes it is wrong the world still recognizes it at wrong. Do you know most professional non-Christian places of business have non-profanity policies among their staff? I mean, you're not going to walk up to the registration desk at the emergency room and have the registrar. I hope not because some of those people work, uh, come to our church. Amen. I'm picking on Miss Elaine. I know she's not like that. But if I walked up there and Miss Elaine was just cussing the nurse a blue streak for not doing something, in the secular world, that's considered unprofessional, right? Unprofessional. Even the world says that's not appropriate. In schools, in our secular school system, although it's not highly enforced, I know, because I went to one, uh, and I know teachers can't uh, do everything, but school policy says they're not to have profanity, They're not to speak in a profane way. Um, uh, In all different types of areas, whether it's education or the workplace or whatever, the world still recognizes that strong speech exists. In fact, let me just go ahead and tell you this. Speaking of solely in the secular realm, the, the rating system still recognizes certain levels of vulgarity when it comes to language. In fact, if you ever go and check it out, whether a movie is rated G for general audiences, PG, parental guidance suggested, PG-13, rated R and up each one of those particular rating scales is allowed so many words or some of them are not allowed certain kinds of words. So what I'm trying to say is if the world recognizes that these words are not appropriate out in the open in every context, then shouldn't the believer whom Paul references for us to put away profane and unholy speech, shouldn't we take a note? But i've got some bad news. I have noticed even among Christian leaders. I can only speak to my own kind I've noticed a trend among Christian leaders of cursing, using words that they shouldn't I, one of my, one of my at one time one of my most favorite preachers that I liked made a um, and I, you can go look at this later if you want to, but he made a play on words with uh, Boaz in the Bible. And I listened to that and I cringed. And I saw the pastor whom he was the guest of his church cringe in his seat for five minutes as he used a play on words with Boaz to describe the type of people you shouldn't be in relationship with. And I thought, what benefit did it really do for a man of God to use that kind of language, not only just at all, but from the podium, from the pulpit, preaching the Word of God, and basically giving license to people. Do you know, if I would have repeated what he said from the podium, my grandma would have beat me with a rod. She would have. She would have. No doubt about it. She would have beat me with the rods. Spare the rod, hate the child. She would have totally tore my behind up. But um, what I'm trying to say is the world still recognizes that strong language like that is not acceptable. Here's the second thing. We're not going to beat a dead horse tonight. I just want to give you some scripture. Here's the second reason why we should avoid this type of stuff. Number two, words are meant to edify. Words are meant to edify. Our words either speak life or they speak death. Our words either build up or they tear down. Now, as I'm looking at this, when we're looking at our words, we can actually go back to our text, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And I want you to look at what he says in verse 29. Paul writes, he says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it might impart grace to the hearers. And then look what he says in verse 30. This is written, by the way, to believers. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away with you. So notice he's dealing with how Christians talk to each other and just talk in general. And he says in this, he says, let all corrupt communication be, be out of your mouth. Don't even let it proceed out of your mouth. Don't even let it pass the threshold of your lips. You know, one of the ways that we can do this, it's really simple. I think all of us should work on this, is to think before you speak. Right? Think before you speak. Somebody told me when I was in elementary school one time, because I had a problem talking in class, my teacher said, you don't need to do all that talking. We're, we're focusing on math right now and then to look what I do for a living. Ha, ah, that's funny. They told me, they said, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. So you can listen twice as much as you talk. And I do believe there's some truth in that. I believe that God wants us to think before we speak because words, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, they, they, uh, sticks and stones can break your bones but words can hurt you and once they're spoken they cannot be retrieved they can't be retrieved that's why I tell couples all the time who are going through uh, 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 circumstances in their life I'm telling them you know um, you, can, you don't need to be careful I mean you don't need to be comfortable rather throwing away or throwing around that divorce word Every time you get in a fight, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to divorce you. You know, you make you may make make up. I about said make out and that probably had happened too cuz you married, amen. But uh, it's okay, laugh folks. It's it's okay. God created marriage. But you you may make out and make up, but you know that always stays in the back of your mind. Words are meant to edify instead of criticizing we should be saying positive things. You're beautiful. You have purpose. You have destiny. And even in the way that we correct people, we can say it in a positive way. We can say it in a positive way. Because when I'm talking about edifying, I'm not speaking about candy, cotton candy speech that never deals with hard issues of life. That's not, that's not reality. But tonight, our words are meant to edify. They should build each other up. You know, one thing about words, and they are meant to edify, but one thing about our words is that words are containers that carry, but also words are revealers. 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 Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. It's on the screen. You don't have to turn there. Jesus is addressing the Pharisees, and here's what he says. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why don't you say that with me? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now I want you to think about it this way. Your mouth, your tongue is an extension of your innermost being. If it becomes a word, if it becomes thoughts and you continue to think on something, then it's not long before those words be- turn into acts; those thoughts rather turn into actions and those actions turn into words and now we're saying things that we were thinking and, and all of a sudden we say, where is this coming from? I can tell you where it's coming from out of the abundance of the heart. I try to tell my, my two boys this all the time when they're fussing and fighting with each other like, like brothers do sometimes. And they'll, they'll say something and they'll say, oh, I'm just joking. Well, you know, maybe so. But that came from somewhere. And putting LOL at the end of a harsh comment or text doesn't rectify the situation. Right? Right? Because we've lol our way out of some terrible things. Saying, well, I was just joking. Well, were you really? Because the Bible says that out of the abundance of our inner man, our mouth speaks. So if there's vileness and hatred or resentment or anger or those types of malice in our heart, then guess what's going to happen? That's going to come out of us. Because what's inside must ultimately come on the outside. That's what happens. So, all right. So, number one, the world still recognizes that bad speech is wrong. Number two, our words are meant to edify. So you got to ask yourself, does cussing somebody out edify them? Come on. I don't think it does. I literally saw a bumper sticker going down Oklahoma the other day, that on one side said a scripture verse. Can I say this, Jesus? Yeah, I'm going to say it. The other side, the other side said, blank the president. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think but I'm going to take what they have to say very seriously. Why? Because they have a double standard. What they're proclaiming exteriorly does not match what they're they're harboring on the inside. Because you have a scripture verse on one side of your car, and on the other side it says blank the president's name. So, I want you to know something. Words are meant to edify, but they also can tear down. But here's the third thing that I want you to see tonight. Why we just, just we just, I, look, we don't need to get in legalism. This word is okay to say, and this word is bad to say. You know culturally what words are not okay to say. You know. You know. But here's the third thing. Bad speech muddies our testimony. It muddies our testimony. I want to look at James chapter 3, verse 1-10. through 10. Let's look at this together. James writes, he says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things, and if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. And he says, um, if, uh, for he's a perfect man, all, all, uh, able also to bridle the whole body, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look at the ships. Although they are so large and they're driven by fierce wind, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles. Notice that. That's strong language. The tongue defiles the whole body. And he sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every beast of, and bird, of reptile, of creature of sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one can tame the tongue, for it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, notice this, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in the similitude or likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Notice this, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree bring forth fresh uh, water? Fig tree rather, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs. Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Now I want you to notice some of the strong phrasing that James uses in this passage. First of all, he says that if anybody is perfect with their words, they are a perfect human. In other words, what he's saying is, all of us miss it in this area. I don't have time to really jump down the, the, the trail here, but one of, the, one of the very significant reasons that the Lord in His sovereignty in the baptism of the Holy Spirit chose tongues to be the initial physical evidence, not only was it a sign that they were to preach the gospel to every tongue, every nation, every tribe, and every kindred of per- person, but also the tongue was the unruly member. And when a person is filled with and submitted truly to the Holy Spirit, part of that is them yielding their most unruly member to God. It's a sign of God's empowerment and ability to empower us to do the work of the gospel and also our total yielding to Him. But I want you to notice, though, when James goes a little bit further, he starts talking about all of the beasts of the sea, horses. I've seen the youngest of kiddos raised in farm, raised in the country. They've had horses ever since they were little kids. and I've watched a little 60-pound kid with the help of their mama get up on a horse, get saddled in, and that little 60-pound kid could control that eight, 900-pound small little pony. I've watched them even control even larger horses. In rodeos and whatnot, and that little bit in their mouth, and with that with that that rein, they can just pull it and they know how to direct that horse to go where it wants to go. And yet the Bible says our tongue sets the direction of our life. That's why it says it defiles the whole body. Because your mouth can get you in a whole lot of trouble in the physical and in the spiritual. You know what I found out? You gotta be real careful what you say about people. The book of Ecclesiastes, or actually, the, uh, the, the book of uh, Ecclesiastes does say, be careful what you say about the king because a little birdie may leave the bedchamber and deliver that message. Sometimes we say things and people, we say, well, don't tell nobody. And what do they do? First person they find, they go tell. And your mouth catches up with you and it writes a check that you can't cash. But see, we gotta realize tonight, You don't need a knife, a pistol, a rock, or a gun to assassinate somebody. Your tongue can do a good enough job. But as a Christian, whether it's cursing, whether it's gossip, whether it's slander, whether it's strife, or whether it's um, talking back to our parents or whatever it might be, bad speech muddies our testimony, and he likens it into a fountain. And he said, what fountain can bring forth bitter water and sweet water at the same time? He said, it's not possible. Or what fig tree can give forth olives? It can't happen because it can't produce that kind of fruit. And he said, likewise, he said, we who are made in the image of God, we bless God with our mouth. Come on. Let me break it down into modern English for you. We come to church. We hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And then you, 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 you're cussing somebody out. Whether or not you're saying the bad words or not, you're speaking harshly to them, speaking down to them, to people, assassinating their character or whatever. It automatically muddies your Christian testimony in the eyes of the world. And they look around and they say, well, I thought that person was a Christian. Well, let me ask you a question. Why would somebody want the Jesus that you serve if you're just as bad as they are? It's something to think about. So tonight, as I said, all of us, there's something all of us can deal with. Because listen, I, I'm, I was capitalizing on the profanity because it really does grieve me to, to know Christians that, that talk like that. I had a pastor friend. I didn't didn't think I was going to tell this, but I'm going to tell it. The pastor friend of mine in a particular region of Arkansas um, had a a well-known preacher um, come and speak for them at their church. And they were um, leaving a particular part of Arkansas, going to Little Rock to the airport. Okay? And they're running kind of close to time. And... My pastor friend was in the car, his daughter was in the car, this minister was in the back seat, and he said, if I miss my plane, I am going to be a mad something, something to something, fill in the blank. I'm not going to try to say it because I don't want to say it on accident. That'd be a blooper, wouldn't it? Think about a female dog. Come on, somebody. I'm a, now, now, my friend froze for a minute. He's like, what in the world? And, you know, a lot of times, I'm just going to put this on the top shelf, and I'm going to turn this microphone off and go home. Some of y'all would be utterly disturbed if you heard me talk like that. But you talk like that all the time. And let me tell you, if the preacher shouldn't do it, you shouldn't do it either. Come on, somebody. Close your Bible. Look at your neighbor say, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Your attitude, not just your curse words, but your attitude, how you're saying it, why you're saying it. Because we want our words to be edified, amen. We want them to be edifying. So here's my prayer. You can stand up on your feet. Here's my prayer. Like I said, no, no, no condemnation. Because let me tell you, I have met, I have met some extremely nice people who curse up a storm. And they don't even mean anything by it when they're cursing. It's just like air. Seriously. And, and yeah, I mean, and so uh, by all means am I no, no way saying that, that a person is a horrible person. All I'm saying is culturally as a Christian, these are matters of holiness. Culturally, as a Christian, these are things that are just not, they're not acceptable. They're not a good testimony. They they ruin your character. They associate you with a whole class of things that you just shouldn't even do that. Instead, instead of wasting our words on iffy words and profane words, how about we use our words to edify and prophesy and pray and to build up and to do things that benefit others and the kingdom of God? Amen? So we need to watch our mouth. One more time say it, watch your mouth. All right, let's pray. Father